The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Hello and welcome to What Catholics Believe. I'm your host, Thomas Nagley, and with me tonight is Father William Jenkins. He's from the Society of St. Pius V. He's also the pastor of Immaculate Conception Church right here in Norwood, Ohio. Hello, Father. How are you? Fine, thank you, Tommy. Yourself? Good, Father. Thanks well, for being here tonight. Oh, you're welcome. Father, we Sorry. have got uh, a few interesting articles to discuss here tonight. This first one is titled, No Matter How Bad You Think the Corruption Is, It's Worse. And this author, he writes in here that most commentators do not begin to understand the true nature of the problem in the church. And he says, Father, you know, there are those who say that uh, all of these crimes, all of these great scandals that we're seeing in the church now, that these are perpetrated by men of just poor moral character. They have just fallen due to their weakness, but they're still at heart good people. And he, uh, this author here, he says that that is in fact not true. These men that are perpetrating, they're, they're committing all, the, all these great crimes and causing all these scandals, that they are in fact apostates and they are actively attempting to remake the church in the image of their apostasy. And he says that, uh, that those who are calling for Francis to reform and, and renew the church and all this, he said that would be like putting Himmler in charge of Nuremberg. What's your take on that, Father? Well, who's saying this now exactly? Uh, this would be the author of, uh, let's see, where is this from? Peter Kwasinski. Kwasinski. And uh, he's writing for whom now? Uh, this is from onepeter5.com. Okay, that's a website mm -hmm. uh, of uh, conservative Novosorum mm -hmm. origins. Right. Yeah. So uh, this is what he's actually uh, saying, that, that putting Francis in charge of reforming <clears throat> this uh, sexual abuse um, I guess I'd have to call them actually a cabal. <laughs> they talked about the homosexual mafia in the Novus Ordo Church. It goes beyond that. You know, it's an actual um, a cabal of pederasts, really. Uh, he says that to put Francis in charge of reforming them would be like putting Himmler in, ch in charge of the Nuremberg yes, trials. Okay. Right. Well, <clears throat> I guess that says quite a bit. And, uh, of course, I'd have to agree with him and even go beyond that. Um, uh, in fact, I, I saw that article, and I think he even gives a list sure. of those he's talking about, right? And they're all Novus Ordo bishops, yeah. right? Not priests, right? Yep. He lot. gives a list <laughs> of these men, he says, are a ring of criminal Nancy boys, and the, he calls them that in the modern church, right? <clears throat> the Novus Ordo Church. He names them uh, Cardinal McCarrick, right? McElroy, Burrow, another Cardinal, right? Of the new church. O'Malley, another Cardinal. As a matter of fact, I mean, we're talking about men whom Francis has handpicked to help him govern right. the Novus Ordo Church now and his little council of Cardinals who are helping him. Um, Mahoney, Kupich, Tobin, Farrell, Lynch, Weakland. I think Lynch is the one who presided over the death of Terry Schiavo years ago, right? Weakland, of course, now who's, who's died, but there was a great party thrown for him. <clears throat> he was actually found to have spent $450,000 worth of church funds to buy the silence of his lover, right? Oh, good. Uh, a college student at the time. Palia Maradiaga. Maradiaga. I heard speak here. Cardinal Maradiaga is from... Honduras, right? And uh, it's interesting that Wuerl, 
O'Malley, Maradiaga. Now, are presiding over explosions of seminary reports under them about the abuse, the abuse that's going on within their seminaries. And he says their lovable mouthpiece, James Martin, who is the, uh, the apologist for all of these homosexuals, right? And, and the, the sympathizers that go on. And then he mentions Thomas Rosicki also. Well, that's an interesting list, you know. In fact, uh, he goes on to mention here those who've, who've passed on, who've died, and have gone Lyons, Boland, and Brom. Brom, we came across uh, Bishop Brom out in San Diego. <clears throat> in fact, he was the one who uh, very reluctantly allowed the Latin Mass, like the indult Mass, to be said at the uh, mausoleum down in uh, San Diego. <clears throat> and uh, he... He, he actually appeared to talk to the people who were going to that liturgy. And they wanted to, to have the full, you know, the confirmations and first communions and all that. And they were trying to convince him that this was a good thing because of all the numbers of people who were coming. And Brahm kept responding, you don't understand. This is not an argument for giving you this. It's an argument for not giving it to you. That there are so many people who want this. We want to stop this. We don't want it to grow. So he told him, point blank, that he had marked it for death. And because of the prosperity of the indult mass group there, <clears throat> that made him less inclined to give it rather than more so. So this is the, that's what we're dealing with here. The fact is, uh, he names them all in terms of not only favoring homosexuals and protecting them, but as being among them. That's that's being somewhat bold and somewhat risky because they, uh, these are people who do not um, want to be re revealed. They don't want to be exposed for what they're doing. Mm. But uh, this recent um, <clears throat> a grand jury report, a thousand pages or so, from uh, Pennsylvania mm -hmm. has now blown the lid <clears throat> off this pretty much. But the curious thing, though, Tom, is that this all blew up 20 years ago, right? And actually, it blew up here in Cincinnati about 20 years before that, even. Uh, I mean, the, we, we've had a series of these issues, and what nobody is willing to say, even now, although they're willing to say, look, this is not only a problem of their priests' clergy, this is a problem of their bishops now, their bishops are actually behind all of this. They've come that far now that they, have, they can't conceal that anymore because these are the ones the prosecutors are going after. They're going after the bishops now for concealing all of this, right? It's even the cardinals now, too. And even the cardinals, right? Uh, and, and even being involved in doing it, okay? Right. Uh, now they are being exposed as being part of this entire, I guess I would call it this, this the the homosexual pederast cabal in the Novus Ordo. <clears throat> uh, they can't hide it anymore. Um, but one thing nobody is willing to say is, this is the result of Vatican II. They're not willing to tie it together with modernism. And really, this is the root of it. St. Pius X saw this over a hundred years ago and wrote about it in his encyclical Vicendi, condemning it because... 
because of his, not only astuteness and his knowledge, but because of his holiness, in Pius X saw in the principles of modernism everything we are now witnessing. He saw it all. And this is, this is the, the, the prophetic vision of a saint who sees these things, you know. And um, <clears throat> so for those, for those who have been paying attention, <clears throat> and for those who understand anything about modernism, for those who've read into the wisdom of St. Pius X in the, in the book, in, in the encyclical Bashendi, none of this is a surprise. This is exactly what you'd expect to happen if St. Pius X was right. And he was right. We see it now, how right he was. The evil of this modernism as the, as anti-Catholicism, as an anti-Catholic faith, which has been used to bring about the modernist religion of the Novus Ordo, which is exactly what it is. Novus Ordo is the practice of modernism. It's been born of modernism, and modernism is condemned by the Church as the antithesis of Catholic, the Catholic faith. This is what you have now in the modern Church of Vatican II. One thing that we have to be very clear on, though, and this is, the, this is probably the saddest fact of all, that people believe this is the Catholic Church that has done this. This is not the Catholic Church that has done this. This is the modernist church that has been born of Vatican II. This is not the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is her primary victim, her principal victim of these modernists, who want people to think that this is the Catholic Church that, did, that has done all of these things. It's not at all. Any more than the Catholic Church brought you the new Mass, any more than the Catholic Church changed all the sacraments. Any more than the Catholic Church brought you all the new, the new catechism and all the rest. The new, the new theology, the new evangelism and all that. This is not the work of the Catholic Church. And you have these conservative Catholics who are insisting that this is the work of the Catholic Church. Even though, even while they're trying, they say, to practice the traditional Catholic religion and faith in the Novus Ordo, they're, they're trying desperately to send the message even the Society of St. Pius X itself, that this is the Catholic Church. It's one big lie. This is not the Catholic Church that has done these things. And people who are continually trying to make it, to make that case, to justify what they're doing, are painting themselves into a, into a non-existent corner, a corner of their own making. And they're going to paint themselves into their corners to the point where they're either going to have to say, well, we're saying all the time that this is the Catholic Church, isn't it? We've been saying that. This is the Catholic Church. And this is the Catholic Church that has actually been doing all these things. And suddenly they're going to run out of room and say, well, how can we say that the Catholic Church established by Jesus Christ is the criminal perpetrator of all these satanically evil things? How can we say that? How, where do we go from here in saying that this is the Church of Christ? No. Right? They're going to run out of room there. And either they're going to have to say, well, the Church of Christ must have failed if this is the Church of Christ that's doing all these things. Francis, with his denial of the papacy, denial of the priesthood, and all the rest, that they're still speaking in the name of the Catholic Church, after all. And all of these priests and bishops who have done these things, they're all acting in the name of the Catholic Church. Legitimately, they're really, really honestly representing the Catholic Church. They're going to have to say that the Church failed, that Christ's promise failed. Either that or they're going to have to give up that lie and say, well, we have to admit in the final analysis that this is not the Catholic Church that has done all these things. 
the abuse, the cover-up, and all the other things that came out of Vatican II. It's these people are not the Catholic Church. Father, in uh, in one of his books, Father Gary Lagrange, he said that uh, in spite of the darkness, there is light enough to see for those who are willing to see. Mm-hmm. And perhaps we can talk about this next, but even in, in Francis's response that uh, he wrote in regards to this grand jury report that came out, mm-hmm. you know, he says that all of this, this abuse had happened, you know, decades ago, 60, 70, 50, 60, 70 mm-hmm. years ago. And you think about it, that's right around the time. Vatican II. Sure. And, uh, and these were the years of preparation for Vatican II, the years of Vatican II, right the years that came after mm-hmm. Vatican II. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and you know, and you look at this this Novus Ordo Church, this new church, they titled it themselves the Novus Ordo, a new order. Uh, we got the new mass from it. We have new rosary from it. We have uh, new sacraments. We have the new stations of the cross. All of these. New, we have the new morality. All of these yeah. these new things mm-hmm. and. Uh, like Father Father Gary Gorgon said, there's light enough to see for those who are willing to see, and uh, it, it it seems crystal clear. But one Novus Ordo bishop who has just spoken out very, very clearly is the Novus Ordo bishop of Madison, Wisconsin. And that's very ironic, because 20-some years ago, there was a priest murdered in Madison, Wisconsin. I'd met him. Um, Father Kunz, Father Kunst, I think his name was, right? He was murdered in his own rectory. He came in one night. He was set upon. There are all kinds of theories. Police investigation is stalled. He was a very powerful man, uh, large and strong. Even at his age, in the 70s, he was very, very strong. And uh, it took, they're, they're estimating it took three assailants to bring him down in his own rectory, finally. He fought. And there was a very bloody affair. <clears throat> but uh, there are those who knew him who realized that he had been, uh, as a canon lawyer, I think he was a canon lawyer, as my understanding, he was actually threatening to expose the homosexual uh, cabal in the Diocese of Madison. And uh, to this day, there are those who insist that it was a, a satanic group of homosexuals, actually, who are into Satanism, who decided that they were going to take him out in order to prevent him from uh, blowing the whistle on them, uncovering the evil going on, even there. So here we are now, all these years later, and we are seeing uh, a Novus Ordo Bishop of Madison uh, sounding the alarm about we have to stop justifying sin. Well, Although I agree with much of what he said, said that we have to stop justifying sin. We have to call sin what it is, condemn it for what it is, hate sin, say that, yes, there is mercy, but only where there is repentance. I mean, you know, he said some very Catholic things in his denunciation. But my question is, number one, where has he been all this time, <clears throat> right? Why has he been silent all of this time and is only speaking out now after this grand jury report has has just manifested to the world how evil it is. By the way, now Pennsylvania and this grand jury finding in Pennsylvania is, is ready to be followed by New York. You notice what other states are going to start going through the same route and talking about the hundreds of priests, uh, of modern Novus Ordo priests, God forbid that they're really ordained priests, uh, who have been abusing the children there. And when we say children, we're talking primarily about seminary-age young men. They've reached the age of puberty, so they're not, we're not talking about, for the most part, six, seven-year-old children here. 
for the most part, we're talking about perhaps 15, 16, 17-year-old men. Okay, the vast majority of them were those. And uh, about 80% of the cases were homosexual cases. They were not heterosexual cases. So um, you, you have this thing. And now, now, as I say, there are prosecutors in New York who are talking about following the same thread, exposing the hundreds of cases, hundreds of individuals in the Nova Soto clergy behind it, and the thousands of victims that have, that have fallen to them and been affected by their, their evil. So, again, you know, this is, this is uh, it, it is blown up in Pennsylvania, and now it, it is threatening to just become like an atomic. You know, that was like conventional weaponry now. Now we're talking about basically going to the atomic level. And so you have, finally, the Bishop of Madison who's speaking out very strongly. And I wonder why now? Why not before? Because this man went along with the Novus Ordo Mass and the Novus Ordo Sacraments and all that. Well, maybe, I don't know how old he is, maybe this is what he grew up with. Maybe this is all he really knows firsthand. Um, I hope it isn't just a case that he sees so many bishops are being, and cardinals are being tarred with this brush, and rightly so. And he wants to somehow escape that tarring. I, I don't know. I just don't know. I just don't understand why all of a sudden now it's become a moral imperative for people who certainly knew what was going on to suddenly speak up in a very bold way saying, you know, there are those saying, me too, me too. And there are those who are coming saying, not me, not me, mm -hmm. you know. And Francis, of course, is the is the the perpetrator in chief of all these things. For him to pretend that he wasn't aware of McCarrick that the men he chose, Maradiaga and, uh, and others, that he was not aware of their complicity in all this. I'm sorry, this, is, this just stretches belief that he did not know of these things. And look at his letter, as you say. His letter was dated August 20th, 2018. <clears throat> and he writes this, this it's, it's actually a pathetic letter. But it's a letter that is perfectly... The, the work of a modernist from beginning to end. He doesn't even mention the bishops. He doesn't even mention his bishops and his cardinals in this letter. He talks about the communal penance of the whole church. You know? mm -hmm. And he talks about the prayer. They have to now indulge in prayer and fasting. He's talking about, a large part, the people who are the victims of these, his own clergy there. His own bishops and his own cardinals, they're the ones who now have to pray and fast and do penance for this, this terrible evil, okay? He doesn't take any personal responsibility for this. He blames it on everybody. This is the typical leftist liberal view. You know, society, we're victims of society. In this case, the society of the church. <clears throat> Remember when uh, Obama and, 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 and Clinton were apologizing for America? I mean, not that they made any, did anything wrong, not that the leftists were responsible. It's America, right? Apologize to the poor people of America who have been victimized by this very wicked society. Apologize to the international community that has been victimized by uh, the United States of America all this time, okay? And they come off as being so sanctimonious. The same thing was going on with John Paul II, whom they now call a saint. As he's apologizing for what the church has done, 
And uh, I mean, he apologized to Galileo affair, right, with the Inquisition. He apologized for this. He apologized for the Jews and so on. And of course, it makes him sound like he's the one pure, untainted soul, you know, who recognizes the evil of this church that he now has been called to preside over. And he's, he's finally the one who is above all of that, holier than all that, who's going to, going to self-righteously apologize on behalf of everybody else, including all the popes, all the saints, all the doctors of the church, and all the Christians who've gone before, who've tolerated these evil things. And Francis is exactly cast in that mold, that same modernist mold. He doesn't even mention homosexuality. He doesn't even mention it once in this. He, um, he, you know what he blames it on in his letter? He blames it on clericalism. Well, this was his favorite punching bag the whole time. He blames it on the idea that there is a, 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 a group of people in the church who actually are apart from others, okay? He calls them here like the elite, okay? And this clericalist idea that they have some special status in the church, he wants to destroy that. What he's actually doing is he's destroying the priesthood right. as Christ established it. He's been hammering away at the idea of the priesthood to destroy the very concept of the priesthood. And, um, and he's, he's doing a great job. Uh, as a real modernist. He's destroying the concept of the papacy. And with his modernist concept of the papacy, which is totally antithetical to the Catholic idea and to Christ's idea, right? what Christ established, he is hammering away at the whole idea of the priest. And the idea is not the priest as being like a privileged member of the Catholic society, but having a special responsibility before Christ. Read the Silva or the duties and dignity of the priest by St. Alphonsus Liguori, and you see what the priest is required to be the holiness of the priest. And you see what they produced by this. This whole notion of the, the priest being nobody special, he's there merely as a servant, and the idea is not only that he is due no great respect, but the fact is he has no spell, they, they've destroyed whatever self-respect their priests have. And they have, uh, they have no powers, special powers or status in the church that God expects anymore from them, except to be the lowest of the low. And that's what they've become. And that's what they get in their bishops, and that's what they're getting in their so-called cardinals now, too. And, Father, if this is Francis's goal to, to destroy the priesthood, does not this, this abuse crisis, does not this play perfectly into that, that scheme? You know, what, what does this do but uh, just totally destroy the, uh, the the sanctity of the priesthood it totally debases them and, and you know I even recently uh, read a uh, some kind of Novus Ordo article in response to this abuse crisis in this grand jury report and they were saying well you know this this seems really bad but if you take a step back and view it through a wider lens in fact the uh, the rate of, of abuse in the Catholic Church is is about on par uh, as the with the rate of abuse in society as a whole and it's actually even worse in uh, in the educational system here in America so we, we shouldn't really be well that's what they were saying that. even 20 years ago oh four percent you know it's about that in normal society so already they were saying they weren't going to expect any more of their priests than they were from anybody else right. in the world, right. Catholic or non-Catholic. Yeah. You know, that's, this is their standard of judgment now. Yeah. But this is what the modernist does. But the fact is now <clears throat> they realize 
that they opened the floodgates for the homosexuals to come in, take over the seminaries, the Pink Palace in Baltimore and then and, and the other, you know, where, where the seminarians actually call each other Nancy and Petunia, right? And uh, even, I, I think, Malachi Martin, uh, with everything else going on, years ago, he came out and he said publicly that Donald World's name in the, in the group is Donna, that he's actually referred to as Donna uh, by his fellow clergy. So, uh, I mean, this is absolutely sickening. It's more than appalling. It is just nauseating to see this. But they've seen this going on. They've known this was going on. Mm. Even after it came to light years ago, they said they were taking care of it. <clears throat> they didn't take care of it. They just tried to, to smooth it over. That's all they did. But now it's coming back to haunt them with a vengeance because you cannot hide this. It is so evil. <clears throat> all the efforts of hell cannot, cannot hide this. But, you know, the devil doesn't really want to hide it forever. He really wants to, to blow the cover on this so that everybody thinks this is the Catholic Church that is doing this because he wants to destroy the reputation of the Catholic Church. And uh, this is his way of doing it right now. So again, you know, we, we have to constantly remind ourselves and especially have to let our children know, look, you see these evil things that are being done. They say that this is the Catholic Church. That's not true. That is not true at all. This is the, the cabal of modernists who've, who've wormed their way into the church, infiltrated the church, and uh, right up to the very pinnacle of power in the church, in the Vatican. And they are perpetrating this crime against humanity, against the Catholic people. But ultimately, the crime is against Christ, our Lord. This is the victim. He's the real victim. The sacred heart of Jesus is what they're after. This is what Satan wants to, to attack. Um, he wants to make the name of, of Jesus Christ. He wants to make, name the, make the name of the church uh, a, a name that is held in, in universal opprobrium by, by all of humanity. And this is his way of doing it. So we have to we have to be aware of it, and we have to make our children aware. This is not the Catholic Church that is doing these things. These are the modernists, and uh, we can't let them get away with it. You know, we can't let people believe that this is the Catholic Church. So we have to sound the alarm that these are imposters. Um, Francis's own letter, Raleigh, by the way, didn't impress anybody. Uh, even his conservative Novosoto uh, devotees there. We're desperately trying to um, trying to dress him up, you know, as some kind of a, a Catholic, in spite of the fact that they can't make him sound like one. Uh, remember, the, the, the shepherd know the sound of the voice, right? They 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 know the voice of the shepherd. Okay, the voice of Francis they can't disguise, no matter how much they dress him up. <clears throat> they can't make him Catholic or sound like a Catholic pope. So uh, even even the conservative Novosoro people are saying this letter is 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 worthless. But it's sad to say, I mean, I've seen uh, people commenting in the news that they have abandoned, they've given up on the Catholic Church now because of Francis and his cardinals and his bishops. They've actually given up. They say they still have faith in God, but they don't have faith in the Catholic Church. And I would say to these people, look, your faith in the Catholic Church should be reinforced by these evils. Because this is the modernism that St. Pius X warned us about, that would attack the church. And so it is the church that has condemned these things all these years. 
but now has been infiltrated as the Masons promised they would, right? Right up to, the, to Rome itself. They promised they would get one of their own, a, a Masonic mind and mouth uh, in the Vatican, hailed as Pope by the world. And this is exactly what we've seen they've accomplished in doing here. So we've got to get the word out, Tom, that this is not the Catholic Church that is that is doing these things. I mean, you know, you look through the letter of Francis, there, there are, there's just point after point you could make to show that even that is not the voice of a Catholic, let alone a Catholic Pope, mm -hmm. responding to these things. Mm -hmm. Father, where, where do we go from here, though? Because it seems that they've already been so successful in this. You know, you mentioned how... Uh, these other reports are, are about to uh, come out in New York and, and perhaps elsewhere. Well, they've still got work to do. With this grand jury in Pennsylvania, it was in session for two years, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. They finally produced this report. I don't think even they realized the depths that they would have to go. The report itself is so sordid. Yeah. I mean, uh, you'd have to put it almost on the index of forbidden books sure. because it is so lascivious with these, with these clergymen. I can't call them priests. What these modernist Novus Ordo clergymen have done uh, is just is just horrific. But but Father, is anyone really surprised by this? Perhaps maybe. Yeah, you know, there maybe, are people who are still so naive they are surprised. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry to say yeah. they, they are, but uh, if they understood the nature of modernism, mm -hmm. they would not be surprised. But they don't understand the nature of modernism because they're going along with the Novus Ordo, mm -hmm. even to this day. They're going along. Somebody today was telling me uh, about a woman in the pro-life effort in New York, he knows, who told him when she goes to her local church, when it comes time for the homily, <laughs> she actually has to sit there with her fingers physically in her ears because she can't stand to listen to what that Novus Ordo clergyman is preaching up there. But she still goes. Now what what does it take for people to realize this is not the Catholic Church here? What am I doing going along with this? Why am I warming their pews? Why am I putting anything in their baskets when they make collections? I've got to face the fact that this is not the Catholic Church. Why can't they do that? Well, it's because they don't understand. They don't understand the Church. They don't understand the faith. And uh, they just can't give up the illusion that the modernists here are still speaking in the name of the Catholic religion and even still speaking in the name of Christ. And perhaps rather they see no other alternative. Uh, you know, Archbishop, yeah. Archbishop Lefebvre, he was uh, kind of made out to be some, some terrible mm -hmm. criminal, some apostate. <clears throat> no doubt the propaganda has done its evil work with them. Yeah, yeah and it, it just seems that... Um, so but the very, they should realize that the ones who've been telling them that are the ones who are doing these evil things yeah. and protecting the evil, mm -hmm. you know? So if they put two and two together and came up with four, they'd say, the people are telling me the Archbishop Lefebvre and the traditional Catholic uh, effort and those trying to hold out of the traditional faith, that they're evil, but look what they're doing. Yeah. So why would I trust their condemnation of traditional Catholicism when I see what they are doing to the church? Another mindset, Father, that I've often encountered is... Uh, there are some Novus Ordo Catholics who are willing to admit, yes, things are really bad. I don't like the way things are going, but I, I don't have any other alternative. You know, we, we get emails all the time from uh, from countries all over the world. You know, they say, 
I, I go to my, my local Novus Ordo parish. I hate it there. I, I don't like the way things are going there at all. But I have no other alternative. There's no Society of St. Pius V around here. There's no traditional options. I, I suppose this is better than nothing at all. And so they continue to stick with it. and, and they, kinda... they, they are complicit to a fraud. Yeah. What should they do, though? They should stop going to that Novus Ordo fraud. And have nothing at And all. refuse. But what did, what did Catholics do during missionary times? Um, I mean, right here in Cincinnati, and up until 150 years ago or so, I mean, these were really missionary times for the Catholics here. <clears throat> and uh, large parts of the United States, large parts of the world had, had no priest. Uh, they might see a priest once every six weeks, six months, maybe even six years. What did they do? Did they say, well, I guess I, I guess I have to choose the next best thing. I think I'll go to the Lutheran Church instead. <laughs> uh, no, they didn't do that. They, they realized this was wrong. And so it is with the, the, those who still have the traditional faith, those who still have the true Catholic faith, should realize, well, just because I, I don't have access to a traditional Catholic priest or a traditional Catholic chapel uh, within easy reach, you know, every Sunday, doesn't mean I can't travel, even if I have to go 100 miles or more to a traditional Catholic Mass once every month or two months or three months. What I should do is start trying to find traditional Catholic people in the area who still have the traditional faith and organize them and go to the traditional Mass and hope that we can eventually bring a traditional priest to where we live. You know, This is what people have done before. Many of the missions that we have and the chapels we have now started that way by people <clears throat> who are willing to make the sacrifices to do what Catholics used to do routinely in missionary countries. But, but they never said, well, I guess, I'll ha I guess I can't uh, practice the traditional Catholic faith because I don't have a priest that often or access to a chapel. I guess I'll just have to become Presbyterian. Or I guess I'll just have to become Jewish or I'll have to become Muslim or whatever it is just because this is the way it is. Imagine if people thought like that who were in Islamic countries who don't have access to real Catholic worship. They said, well, I guess, I guess I'll just become Muslim. That, that whole idea is ridiculous. And so when you hear somebody here in the United States, for example, saying, gee, I'm two or three hours away from a real traditional Catholic chapel and I don't get to see a traditional Catholic priest that often, so I guess I'll just have to keep going to the Novus Ordo. And these people do not have the beginning concept of what it is to be a Catholic, if that's, if that's the way they're thinking. Sure. Um, no, that's, that's not what Catholics do. That's what the Novus Ordo does. That's exactly the Novus Ordo thinking that got us into this mess, yeah. the modernist thinking. Um, and, you know, on top of that, we have uh, the Society of St. Pius X, and, who, who is trying to get back in, like under the big umbrella, the big tent of the Novus Ordo, and the Fraternity of St. Peter that is is under the big tent of the Novus Ordo already, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, these, are the, these are actually, the, 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 in some ways, the worst alternative of all. Because th these are people who will tell you, in many cases, they will tell you that the Novus Ordo is not the, the Catholic religion, the true traditional Catholic religion. And modernism is definitely not the true Catholic faith. But we can still be part of the church that is modernist and is the Novus Ordo. In fact, they will tell you that we can find our place within that church for which modernism is their new religion, their new faith, and the Novus Ordo is the new religion that is the practice of modernism. They brought in all of these changes 
under the you know the, 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 the magic words of aggiornamento, making the church relevant to the modern world, all of the buzzwords of modernism, exactly what they used as their justification to make the changes they did, the mass, the sacraments. Remember the first sacrament they changed was not the Holy Eucharist, it wasn't the mass. It was the priesthood. That's the first thing they changed. That's why I say, when we see Francis denouncing clericalism, that's what he's trying to destroy. Right. He's out to destroy the priesthood. Because you destroyed the priesthood, and you basically destroyed, you, you know, you undercut the, the entire sacramental order there. Mm -hmm. And uh, the priest who acts in persona Christi in the person of Christ at the altar to consecrate the Blessed Sacrament, you destroyed that priesthood, and, and you've just destroyed that. This is what the modernists have been after all along. So, the, the point being, Tom, if we cannot pretend that we can be a part of this, of this Novus Ordo religion. We cannot pretend that we can be part of a church that is, has a new faith of modernism. And uh, that is what they call the ordinary form for them. And we would, be, we would be given some kind of status of an extraordinary form, as though we're sort of fringe, even within their church, mm -hmm. by even accepting those, that as a deal, by even accepting that status, we would be endorsing the fundamental modernist notion of ecumenism, that you can have one church with two different religions and two different faiths. And if you can have one church with two different faiths and two different religions, you can have one church with a thousand different faiths and a thousand different religions. But for one thing, none of them can be the religion that was established by Jesus Christ, the one true faith and the one true Catholic religion. None of them. And I'm afraid that's the direction. That's where the fraternity of St. Peter already is, and that's where the Society of St. Pius the Tenth is heading right now. God forbid that they should bite into that Forbidden fruit. Mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, the, 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 the wonderful thing about all this, <clears throat> and I say wonderful not in terms of being good, but the wonderful thing about it in terms of it being so bizarre is that uh, it's like the big lie is evident throughout this whole process that when Vatican II is pitching the, the, this new idea, okay, of changing the religion, bringing it into line with the modern world, their appeal was to human dignity. And right on through to Francis's letter of August 20th, 2018, human dignity is still that gigantic uh, wormhole that they want to bring all of this right through, human dignity. And they're, they're from beginning to end, even in Vatican II, and for the last document of Vatican II on the uh, well, it's entitled Dignitatis Humanae Personae, right? <clears throat> the dignity of the human person, of the dignity of the human person. <clears throat> uh, that was the, the um, principle that they used to bring in their modernist idea of religious liberty. And to this day, they're still, they're still using that concept. But all the way through, from beginning to end, they are opposing the idea of human dignity to the idea of divine dignity, the dignity of God. They're using that idea of human dignity as uh, uh, basically 
a, uh, an opposition to, opposition to the dignity of God, human rights as opposed to divine rights. And that is how they are able to justify in their minds, or at least in, in their speech, and, and sell this to people. Human dignity, dignity of man, the dignity of man, the rights of man. Um, and, and God has no rights, as far as they're concerned. I mean, you look at that document uh, of Vatican II um, on religious liberty, which is the 16th document in the set. It's the last, last thing proved. And you find that, that there was an opposition brewing throughout the council. Uh, the Cetus Internationalis Patrum of conservatives was gathering together to oppose these things, Okay. This was the group that wanted Vatican II in, uh, in uh, I think it was Lumen Gentium, to condemn atheistic communism. Um, they gathered 400-something signatures of bishops there to, uh, as an intervention to get the council to formally condemn atheistic communism, and it was simply put in a drawer. <clears throat> and even to this day, you find that the only mention of atheistic communism uh, at Vatican II, which was meant to address the problems of the modern world, right, uh, is a footnote, one single little footnote. And that is the work of the leftists and modernists at Vatican II. Uh, it was said by some of the modernists, we wish we'd waited to uh, bring up the question of the liturgy until the end of the council, rather than addressing it at the beginning, because if we could have addressed it at the end of the council, we could have gotten a lot farther as far as modernizing their mass. As it was, they had to wait for Paul VI in his concilium. But anyway, um, the, point, the point that I want to make about this is they're bringing up this question of human dignity <clears throat> to batter down the whole, the whole idea of the, of the dignity of God, the rights of God over man. This is just liberalism right to the, to the core, you know. And uh, it is the whole program of the left to do exactly that. Mm -hmm. And if you read that document, by the way, on religious liberty, you find it is complete gobbledygook. I mean, they just, it just goes on and on, back and forth, back and forth. And it, it is embarrassingly bad, <clears throat> even from the standpoint of a mere essay. If I had a high school student who wrote that thing, I'd get out the red pen and I'd just start out to correct and you're, you're repeating yourself here, you're repeating yourself there, this doesn't follow. Uh, I mean, it's just awful. Even from a mere human standpoint, it's an embarrassment, you know. But of course, it's impossible to bear embarrass the modernists. But one thing they, they did there, so they made a transition. <clears throat> they actually said, when they were talking about the dignity of man as being the principle whereby we know <clears throat> that man has a God-given right. It's actually in the Gospels, rather. It's God-given that man cannot be constrained to do anything against his conscience. <clears throat> cannot be legitimately constrained to do anything against his conscience. Is there any principle in Catholic teaching that agrees with that? Actually, yeah, there is, you know. In other words, you couldn't forcibly baptize someone and make a Catholic out of them, contrary to his will, could you? Right? Mm -hmm. The church has that principle. Mm -hmm. But they jumped from there to a principle the church has never endorsed, that neither can you restrain anybody 
from following his conscience, regardless of how erroneous it might be. The church has never, ever taught that idea. But this council document brings that home and says, this is part of that same religious liberty that is found in the Gospels. It's divine revelation that a person can not only not be constrained to act against his conscience, but he can't be restrained from doing something in the name of religion that he believes is right. And they even carry that over to religious communities that they cannot be constrained by any power. And uh, especially the civil power. But by any other power, they can't be restrained from doing what they, they're following their doctrines and preaching their doctrines. Now, this is something that the church not only has never approved, this is something the church has condemned. And if you look at the history of the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church makes it very clear. Yes, there have to be constraints. There have to be restraints on people doing things uh, that are against. For example, if you get the first church of Satan and they want, they might want to make abortion their sacrament, you have to restrain that. It's something evil, you know. But the Vatican II document now repeats over and over again, by the way, when it talks about whether it talks about the right of religious liberty to be free from constraint or for, for, to be free from restraint, it always says again, according to the demands of public order, which is very interesting, because, because it actually does something very evil. Because it actually brings under the control or the name of, of, of uh, the demands of public order, that is bringing under civil control, the power of civil government, to not only control the question of the restraining a person, but constraining a person to act against his conscience. It brings that under civil control also. But when you go back and read Pescendi, of Pope Pius X, he talks about this. He talks about bringing religion under the control of the civil power. You know, people do not, we, sh we should actually do this a little bit more in depth to show the modernism in that document, Dignitatis Humanae Personae, on the right of religious liberty, and the language that is used there. <clears throat> because Pope St. Pius X says that the modernist says that as far as the individual's personal belief and religious experience, these are things that are not within religious control because they're very personal to the individual. But insofar as the person will manifest his religion in society, then his religion is subject to the control of civil government insofar as he will actually practice his religion in any public way. So... St. Pius X is warning that this is what the modernist is really wanting to do. Here we have this document on religious liberty now that comes out in 1965 that is approved by Paul VI. And it does exactly what St. Pius X said it would. Under the guise of granting religious liberty, it actually takes it away. It says that the civil society, for the sake of public order, has the right not only to restrain someone from acting according to his conscience, but it actually has the power to constrain him to act contrary to his conscience. They extend that right to civil government. You don't hear people talk about that too often. 
But the language that is used in the document, the language talks about um, when the religion is actually practiced in the social sphere, then it is subject to the civil government's control. It's exactly, exactly what St. Pius X is saying. That's where the modernist is going with this. So people do not realize, you know, they think, oh, religious liberty, oh, how wonderful, that's exactly what we need as Catholics, we need that liberty. They don't realize the principles that the modernists are sowing in these documents are the undoing of the Catholic faith, the undoing of the Catholic religion, the undoing of the Catholic Church. It would be the undoing of Christ. If we allowed them to have their way, we can't, we can't let them do this. There's a lot more in that document that needs to be revealed. But this is why, you know, the, uh, the conservative, this is why the modernists of Vatican II found it necessary to alter this document by adding paragraph after paragraph after paragraph about how God has determined how we are to believe and worship him. God has determined this. We have an obligation and conscience to find this and worship him in the one true religion. So the conservatives would vote for this. But then they take off on this totally different track that negates everything they said. After talking about the rights of God, now they propose again the dignity of man and the rights of man in opposition to the rights of God. And that's what that document is doing. Like all modernist documents, that's where it begins, that's where it ends. Father, this, this uh, misconstrued idea of human dignity, it seems to be nothing more than the original temptation in the Garden of Eden, you shall be as gods. And there's, there's, uh, there's so much confusion with just this basic idea, especially here in America, uh, this, this idea of religious liberty and uh, religious freedom and that. And, and I believe it was just in um, Arkansas, perhaps, or, or one of the states here, they, uh, they installed, they set up the Ten, uh, Ten Commandments at the State House. And so the Saintnets were, were jealous of this, and so they decided to uh, employ their uh, their religious liberty and and set up their idol there for, for worship at the state capitol, I believe. And and you see this uh, just so much just un- misunderstanding with this basic idea, and they all cite religious freedom, liberty, 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 the First Amendment. That's not liberty. What that is is anarchy. When when truth and error have, have equal rights, that's anarchy. Liberty and, and freedom is when the truth has has its, its its rightful place. And there's such just a basic misunderstanding. You know, you have all these these libertarians here in America who are, who are so obsessed with this idea of, of of liberty and freedom and all this, but really what they're advocating is anarchy. It's the exact opposite. Because anarchy, like you always say, anarchy leads to tyranny. And what is tyranny but the complete negation yeah. of freedom, the complete negation of... Well, the example that you used, Tom, right, of the, the Satanists coming forward and saying, we're going to propose our, our ideas now in the name of religious liberty, right? Mm-hmm. Do you realize what this is, where this is going now? In the name of the Catholic Church, these pedophile and preterist <laughs> priests and bishops are doing these evil things. And so the civil government, uh, to impose public order, could get to the point where it'd say, we have to suppress this Catholic Church because look what it's doing. And actually, the Satanists are the ones who are leading us in the right direction now, yeah. to free us from this evil church that is abusing our children. All in the, in the name of public order, and all in the name of the modernism, the modernists who are doing these evil things. This is what, really what they're after. They're looking to get the church suppressed because the name of the church is so completely degraded. 
by what they're doing, that the church is going to be uh, is going to be going to be charged, going to be found guilty, going to be condemned, going to be uh, driven underground, right? And uh, and and what is going to be exalted in its place? The religion of man, human dignity. You know, you, you look at the message of these people, these modernists about human dignity, and you see what they're doing. <laughs> You that, see, you, that that's out? human dignity. <laughs> yeah. This is how they apply their principles. And mm -hmm. This is what these very bishops do, who are imposing Vatican II and, every, and its aftermath on all the people. This is what they do, and all in the name of human dignity. Francis, I think, has the effrontery to even mention this question of human dignity in his letter. So uh, that human dignity is offended. Yeah, yeah that's the sin. So, again, uh, we're, we're dealing with modernists, they're not Catholics. We have to face the fact and, uh, and get on with practicing the faith. And as far as the difficult questions, we have to let God answer them in his own good time. Mm -hmm. Well, Father, you know, despite all of this, we still have hope. Tomorrow is the feast day of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Immaculate Heart of Mary, the octave of the uh, feast of the Assumption of our mm -hmm. Blessed Mother. What do we have to learn from her? From Our Lady? Mm -hmm. Not what Francis says. He ends his letter by talking about learn from Mary what it is to be a true disciple of Christ. Oh, <clears throat> if he had learned anything, he would have written a very different letter. But if he learned anything, he wouldn't be doing these things. You know, um, he, uh, The Blessed Mother was, of course, the one who understood the priesthood of her son. And uh, she understood with his apostles also the priesthood. The share in his priesthood that he, Jesus Christ, her son, gave to his apostles. And she loved that, and she respected that. You know? Francis has no respect for this priesthood. So <clears throat> we have to go to Our Lady, uh, Our Lady of the Holy Eucharist. We have to um, realize that what she, what she represents is not this new mass and this new religion at all. That um, this is an abomination in the eyes of God. Um, we, we have to ask our Blessed Mother to keep us faithful. And what that means, we have to practice the true faith. We have to believe the true faith, which is the traditional Catholic religion, uh, which this modernist monstrosity of Vatican II is trying to eradicate from the face of the earth. And we have to uh, practice the true Catholic faith as, as it has come down to us through the centuries, through her sacred tradition, through her ordinary magisterium, and extraordinary magisterial pronouncements. We have to hold fast to that. We have to recognize the voice of the shepherd. It is the voice of, the, of this the son of Mary, who is God and man. God made man. That's what we have to do. Our Lady has come to tell us so many times what it is to be faithful to Christ. And uh, it's not this Novus Ordo. She's told us we have to pray and do penance, but not as Francis tells us to do. Okay? In the name of uh, trying to root clericalism out of his church. That's what he's saying here. We have to root out the evil of clericalism from the church, and we've got to pray and fast for that reason. That we know the the this, the exact opposite is what Our Lady wants us to pray and fast for. Sin, okay, is the evil. Sin is exactly the business that Francis is in right now, justifying sin. And Our Lady says, "This is this is not Christ. This is not the voice of Christ." So we have to do what Our Lady said at Fatima: to stop offending our Lord Himself. We have to turn around and actually offer reparation to God for the crimes and the sins that are being committed against the Sacred Heart. And we have to pray, and she mentions particularly the Rosary. We have to pray that with great devotion.
We have to consecrate ourselves to our Immaculate Heart, and we should make the five first Saturdays of devotion to her. Uh, not only once, but repeatedly, we should continue to make the reparation. So, uh, what more can I say, Tom? This is, this is what God has sent his own mother from heaven to tell us. We better listen and respond, and not just react. We better respond to what she says. Father, thanks for your time. Thank you, Tom. No problem. Thanks to all of our viewers as well for watching this episode of What Catholics Believe. Until next time, we ask that you all remember the words of Our Lady of Fatima to consecrate yourselves and your families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and to pray and do penance. Thank you, and God bless you.